neighbors. Oh yeah, doing panels. She says it wasn't our fault. But. Which comes from Exodus one, verses six through fourteen. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that gen that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramis as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all of their demands. Today's gospel reading is from Luke 12, 20 through 226. Could you please stand for today's gospel reading? Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are more, far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add to a single moment in your life? And if worry cannot accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Here ends the reading. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Before I start, I'll just give you a little history. Usually the first time I go to a place, I give a little history on who I am. I'm Trent Tumbleson from Trimont. So... That should be fairly easy to remember. I've been a lay speaker for about six or seven years, and I'm very nonchalant, so I'm kind of down to earth. Uh, married three kids, 24-year-old daughter, 16-year-old son, 13-year-old son. I'm one of three boys. Um, oldest is Indian, adopted. Middle one's black, he's adopted, and I'm the biological accident. Um, my parents were told they couldn't have kids, so they adopted, which makes sense. Um, it is kind of funny, though, at Christmas when we get together for grandchildren pictures, um, I have a redhead. And so when you get all the grandkids together, it looks like a whole bunch of neighborhood kids because you've got blacks, Indians, redheads. So uh, I've been a lay speaker for six or seven years. Uh, God's calling me, and I recently have not said no to anything. Um, I don't know where he's pushing me. I don't know what my plan is. Uh, I, have, I have started a local licensed pastor degree. 
Um, our church does not have a pastor right now. We're doing Embrace um, out of Sioux Falls. Um, it's an online service. So wherever he takes me, I'm willing to go. I don't know where that's going to be. Um, today's sermon is on fear. Is fear something we have because we lack the confidence in ourselves to control a situation? In that very first part of the book of Exodus, we find out what fear has the ability to make us do. Fear can be a driving factor in our lives. Sometimes it can be in our benefit, and sometimes it can be a severe crutch or hindering liability. Now, I will pause here for a moment and say, I recently had surgery, and when you take one of the arms away from a hands talker, it feels like I'm limping. I don't know why, so just bear with me. I, I talk with my hands a lot, but one of them doesn't seem to be working today. When we start Exodus, we learn that the Egyptians became fearful of the Israelites. All was well with jo when Joseph invited the Israelites to move to the land of Egypt. This was the best land in Egypt. Pharaoh had found much favor in Joseph. So he trusted Joseph and his family and gave them the best lands in Egypt to raise their sheep and cattle. But here in Exodus, we find a new Pharaoh, one in power, and he's unaware of the connection between Joseph and the previous Pharaoh. So we read that the current Pharaoh viewed all these Israelites as a threat. God promised Jacob and Abraham that their descendants would be in great number. That turned out to be true. The Israelite nation grew so large that the Egyptians viewed them as a threat. Fear set in on the Egyptian nation. They must have been thinking that if we did not control these Israelites, they would overthrow our country. <clears throat> fear grabbed the Egyptian Pharaoh because fear made him imprison the Israelites. The fear of the Israelites becoming too powerful forced the Egyptians to make a drastic decision. The Egyptian nation was one of the most powerful nations around the Mediterranean Sea. They did not need to be afraid. They had warriors, land, and power. Why did their fear force them to enslave an entire population? Yes, there were a lot of Israelites, but they were shepherds. They weren't warriors. A mere 50 to 100 years later, we hear that of all the chariots and a grand army that was in hot pursuit of Moses... We remember the story. God parted the Red Sea, and then Moses shut it on the gigantic army of pharaohs. Why be afraid of shepherds? We all know that God had a plan when it came to protecting his chosen people, the Israelites. But did the fear, of, the fear that Pharaoh had really have to go so far as to imprison an entire population? Did Pharaoh's fear change the course of history? Was that really how God wanted this whole thing to go down? There are several examples of how fear played a major part in biblical history. Can we remember Peter's fear? Peter was asked in front of an angry mob if he knew Jesus. Peter had so much fear running through him that he denied even knowing him. He denied him not once, not twice, but three times. Peter knew Jesus was God's son and still betrayed him. Had Peter been overcome by fear? Another example of fear was Jonah. God asked Jonah to do something, 
And Jonah was so afraid and controlled by fear that he actually thought he could outrun God. Fear can make us do some crazy stuff. How about David? You know, the little guy who defeated Goliath? Where would David have been if fear overcame him? All of his brothers and an entire army refused to fight Goliath. Not David. He believed God had a plan and moved forward to complete God's plan. Fear did not control David. I'd like to discuss fear from two different angles today. One angle would be what fear might drive us to do. And the other would be how fear doesn't have to control us. I'd like to use myself as an example of someone who does not normally possess a lot of fear. And I'd like to use the congregation today as the other angle of someone who might have fear. It may suit us better if we have two different angles. What people who fear things may be thinking and what people who necessarily don't have a lot of fear might be thinking is the concept today. If I were to ask you to give today's sermon, would you have fear? What would you be thinking? I can't do it. I would be afraid to sound like an uneducated Christian. I think people would not believe me. Maybe you might think you don't have the knowledge. Some people would have a fear of giving a sermon. Some people have a greater fear of public speaking than dying. That's actually a true statistic. From my point of view, why would you ever be afraid of expressing your own religion? Why would you ever be afraid to show God respect? We don't need to be afraid. Would, he, would we think that God would punish us for speaking incorrectly? What if, what if we could bring someone one step closer to God by giving a simple sermon? What if our words found comfort or a home? in someone's soul just to better their relationship with God just a little bit? Wouldn't overcoming our fear be worth it in that situation? Isn't that what God wants us to do anyway? Spread his word? What about bungee jumping? Would you be afraid to bungee jump? If so, why? I get the whole thing, the whole scared of heights thing. Sometimes our body won't let us do something that our mind refuses but let's just say you weren't afraid of heights. What then? I just simply say to that, if that's the way I'm going to go, that's the way I'm going to go. How about flying? Are any of us afraid of flying in an airplane? What would be some of those fears there? Wheels might fall off. Might get struck by lightning in the sky. Maybe crash landing in the ocean. And if you didn't have any fears of flying before, now you have three. <laughs> Again, to flip the script, my father-in-law lives in Phoenix, Arizona. So for the first 15 years of our marriage, Mama, myself, and my family would fly there every August and every Christmas. A fear of flying isn't really applicable to my family. My boys were flying before they could even talk. By the way, if you've never been to Phoenix during Christmas, you should try that. Instead of evergreens with Christmas lights, they decorate swirl cacti. It's pretty cool. Just make sure you're not in charge of hanging the decorations. They say, statistically, you have a better chance of getting in a car accident on the way to the airport than actually being in a plane crash. Planes go through a vigorous inspection every day. 
that's your car. I'm not going to lie, if you get in a plane crash over the ocean, you're toast. No doubt about it, everybody on board, toast. But what about a couple of the fears that hit a little closer to home? Like, say, some of my wife's experiences. Before my wife hit the age of 40, she lost a mother, a sibling, and a child. Those hit a little closer to home. But that would not be the point of today's message. The after effect is not the concept here. It's the thought process of how God is protecting us is the discussion today. My relationship with God strengthened 200-fold back in 2013 when my daughter Taryn got in a car accident. She had 12 broken ribs, lacerated spleen, traumatic brain injury, compression fracture of her spine, and many cuts and bruises. My relationship with God grew because she didn't die. She had every reason not to be with us anymore, but she is. The reason why my relationship and lack of fear grew at that point was because of all the stories I heard after her accident. I don't know how many stories I heard from other people who said, was that your daughter that got in that car accident? They continued, I had a cousin or brother or sister get in a car accident that wasn't even half as bad as your daughter's, and they died. I bet I heard seven of those stories, to be honest. That's when it kind of clicked for me. I'm not in control. No matter how much I wanted to protect my daughter or my family, I was too weak and not in control of anything. At the same time as recognizing I was weak, I also recognized that I don't have to have fear. God is with me. There has to be an inclining or conscious recognition of how God has a plan for us, doesn't there? Again, what's the concept here? We need not to be afraid because God is watching over us. Now, I admit, I have used over-dramatizations here today to get a concept of fear across. Bungee jumping and plane crashes. The reason for that would be so that we can see all our smaller fears in a brighter light. I recently taught myself how to snowboard. I've always wanted to try it. I tried three years ago. Didn't go so well. So I quit. Then I got a wakeboard and I tried that. That went a lot better. So that prompted me to start snowboarding again. I started out slow, then I got the hang of it, and I started to get better. I got a little bit more risky, which reminds me of a story. Uh, I snowboard, we go out to the mountains and we snowboard, and, or we ski. I usually snowboard in the mornings when everyone's kind of tentative and scared. And then when everyone gets their, gets their confidence up in the afternoon, I switch back to skis because they're going to do some dumb stuff and I'd rather be on skis. Well, we went out to Breckenridge this last winter and I had my snowboard on in the morning. And I said at lunch, so what are we doing after lunch? Are we taking it easy or what are we doing? Yeah, we're just going to take it easy. So the son-in-law, after lunch, we go up the first lift, get halfway up the mountain. He shimmies over gets on the next lift. And I'm following him up to the top of the mountain. And I get up there and I get off. I said, what, what are we doing? He's like, I just want to see if you can do it. <laughs> I'm like, really? I told you I was on a snowboard. That's my son-in-law. He's, he's a potster. Long story short, I ended up falling a whole bunch of times. 
and I ended up hurting my rotator cuff. I had surgery four days ago, on Wednesday. Now, naturally, my wife says to me, so, I guess you're done snowboarding, aren't you? <laughs> to be honest with you, this is the first time in my life in which I now possess fear. I used to be the most athletic person you would ever meet. Now, for the first time, I have fear of trying snowboarding again, and I don't like it. So surgery happened, happened Wednesday, July 14th, right? Trey, my son, recently went to visit our daughter, Karen, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. He started home on Friday, July 9th, eight days ago. He called me and said, Dad, my stomach really hurts. Okay, how bad is it, Trey? Feels like someone's stabbing me in the abdomen. Are you nauseous? I've been throwing up. Any back pain? Yeah, my back is killing me. Well, Trey, according to Dr. Google, you have appendicitis. That call happened on 3 o'clock, at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon. By 9 o'clock that night, he was out of surgery. He went from having a great weekend at his sister's to losing an earthworm out of his gut in six hours. If fear would have controlled me to be selfishly worried about my upcoming Wednesday surgery, I would have been incredibly lost when Trey needed to have an emergency appendectomy surgery. But since I learned I'm not in control, I find life much easier to deal with. I was supposed to spend Friday afternoon and evening getting ready for last week's sermon. That didn't happen. Today we learned fear is something we have because we may not confidently believe in ourselves to be able to control a situation. In order for us to completely understand how and what our fears are, we need to do a little research. Has anyone here ever heard of the Enneagram test? Enneagram test is a series of 120 questions that you answer. Simple questions. And then upon completion, your answers place you into one of nine categories. By answering the questions, you kind of generalize your thoughts and fears, kind of how you operate. The questions are all mixed up. And by scoring a one to three on how severely something affects you, you receive a generalization of how your personality works. My wife and my entire family took this test about two years ago. Now, you may ask yourself, why would I ever bring this up? I believe it's one of the best tools we can implement in our lives to understand who we are and what our fears are. In case you're wondering if this test is one of those gimmicks or fads, you know, that are people who are only interested in for a small amount of time, it's not. Let's just say this. In the last 30 days... 1,297,620 people have taken that test. 1 million people in the last 30 days from here backward. Here's a, little, a brief description of the nine personality types. The reformer, rational, purposeful, perfectionist. The helper, caring, generous, people pleaser. The achiever, success oriented, driven, and image conscious, the individualist, sensitive, withdrawn, dramatic, and temperamental, the investigator, intense, cerebral, perceptive, and isolated, 
The loyalist, committed, responsible, and suspicious. The enthusiast, busy, fun-loving, spontaneous, distractible, and scattered. The challenger, powerful, dominating type, self-confident, and confrontational. The peacemaker, easygoing, receptive, reassuring, and agreeable. Now, if those aren't intriguing enough for you to question what your personality is like, I don't know what is. Those are all the nine personality types that we would all fall into. Now, if you don't want to buy the book that fully explains what you are, just go online and Google Enneagram test results. Please keep in mind, if you're labeled as a three, you may have a wing or symptom of another number. Remember, these are generalizations of our personalities. So not everyone is a definite number precisely. For example, I may be a seven with a wing of an eight. This test is based on our core fears. So it explains to us who we are. So after I have an identification of what number we are, we start to understand why we have certain fears or certain characteristics that can explain why we do what we do. If you've already taken the test to delve in deeper into your personality types, it also explains what a healthy three looks like and what an unhealthy three looks like and what those weaknesses and fears are. In case you're wondering, I do not get any royalties from people signing up to take this test. I truly think it's been one of the most helpful learning processes that I've ever taken place in. To truly understand what and who we are is a lifelong benefit. I now know what makes me tick and what shuts me down. In order for us to overcome some of our fears, or maybe just simply recognize them, we have to understand how God made us. If we're not meant to spread God's word, if we're meant to spread God's word through his creation, and we find out that we're a four, a loner, or a quiet person, maybe sermons aren't the best avenue to take to get that done. Fear can make us do different things. Sometimes it's self-preservation. Sometimes it controls us. It controls us to a point of holding us back from what God truly wants us to become. Maybe bungee jumping isn't your cup of tea. Maybe flying is a fear we might possibly never get over. But as I learned with my daughter's accident, I'm not in control. Since I'm not in control, I have to put my trust in God that he knows what's best for me and my family. I don't have to be controlled by my fears. One phrase since my daughter's accident that I've learned to incorporate into my life is, God didn't give me the ability to understand his ways. If we truly believe that, we not, need not be afraid at all anymore. If we surrender our trust and our soul to God, he will lead us where he had already intended for us to actually go. Just like the Israelites. Maybe God wanted them to be in prison. Maybe he didn't. One thing we know for sure is that God will succeed in getting us to where we were meant to be. The Israelites were going to get to the promised land. God is going to make sure that happened no matter what obstacle he had to overcome. Maybe like during the plagues, God hardened Pharaoh's heart to not let the Israelites go. Maybe he did the same thing to that Pharaoh 
so that the Israelites would appreciate their freedom more. Their freedom to follow God to where he wanted them to go. We all have fears. The question today would be if we need to let those fears control us. Maybe not so much as control us, but do they affect our lives so much that we cannot see where God truly wants us to go? Our fears are our own. Each one of us has different fears. But we have to decide if God is protecting us or are we not trusting enough in God and need to try to protect ourselves. We may end up imprisoning ourselves just as Pharaoh did to the Israelites because he was afraid of them. Identifying our fears will only help us become aware of what's really going on in our lives. Let's join together in prayer. Together in prayer. Dear God, I thank you for everyone here today. Please bless, bless their travels and the people that aren't here, the leaders of this church who are not here today. Please bless them and grant them safe passage back here to be there with their congregation. Help us to acknowledge some of our fears. Help us to put our trust in you to explain those fears to us so we understand them and we do not need to be afraid. All of us are different, God. You created everyone differently. Help us to understand who we are. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Trent. We'll take some time.